0: Manny Machado is a Dodger. The Phillies miss out on acquiring the All-Star shortstop. Pat Egan of 97.5 The Panatic joins us to talk about potential trade options and missing out on Machado. Plus, old friend Chase Lettley returns to town with the Dodgers and Machado. All this and more on Phillies Nation episode 47. Welcome once again to this Phillies Nation podcast. We are up to episode 47. My name is Frank Close. I'm your host. Again, you may know me from sportstalkphilly.com and 97.3ESPN.com. And I'm really pleased to be with you for a third time in this series of podcasts. The Phillies had a very disappointing week, perhaps, if they had their heart set on Manny Machado kind of the one major acquisition that the club possibly could have come up with to make a major difference. You know, you're looking at the trade deadline, you look at the available options, none of them are the ilk that Manny Machado is. However, the Phillies haven't given up any prospects yet. Now, uh, one thing that we like to talk about frequently and you know, especially right now with this 10-year reunion of the 2008 World Series champs, you know, the Phillies missed out on Manny Ramirez. They did okay. They missed out on CeCe Sabathia. They also did okay. You know, it was the Joe Blantons, it was the Scott Ayers that made the Phillies World Series champs, not the big splashes. So the Phillies will look to try to make some of those complimentary moves perhaps in the upcoming days. Uh, there's a recent report that, that perhaps the Phillies might be interested in Asdrubal Cabrera of the New York Mets. You may remember him from his spats with Edubre Ramos, recently placed on the disabled list. Uh, but the Phillies are going to be looking to do a couple things. Now, a few roster moves tonight on Sunday. This is Sunday. I'm recording this after the doubleheader. The Phillies have, over the course of the day, activated Luis Garcia from the 10-day disabled list. Now he's going to take the roster spot of Ed O'Brien Ramos, who exits to the disabled list uh, with, a, with a strain in his knee. So the Phillies are going to have to make up for the stellar pitching that Ramos did early in the season. You know, he really wasn't himself when he got back off the disabled list. So hopefully this disabled list stint gets him straightened out. But very surprisingly, the Phillies sent outfielder Aaron Altair to AAA Lehigh Valley. This is one you might not have expected early on. You know, Altair, I, I had him as the guy that was going to have a breakout season for the Phillies. You know, when you look at, at Altair's performance last year, it seemed like he gave you a lot of, of strong defense. You know, there were a lot of discussions. You know, in the offseason, can you trade O'Double? Herrera, because you have a center fielder in Aaron Altair, and Altair has not hit. All right, this seems uncharacteristic for Altair. He's only been in the major leagues a little bit, but if you look at his stats for 2018, he's hitting just 171. He has six home runs and 33 runs batted in, and an OPS of 595. A Phillies team that is not scoring runs, perhaps to the extent that they should be, can't have that happen. Now, he's lost a lot of playing to Nick Williams in recent weeks, and it seems like Nick Williams is going to kind of have right field for now. But, of course, the Phillies could do something in the outfield, perhaps, at the trade deadline, and and Pat Egan and I will, will talk about that a little bit coming up. Phillies also sent Mark Leiter Jr. to AAA. a You know, Leiter was somebody he looked really, really good in spring training. I frequently got on the air and said that Mark Leiter Jr. was very impressive. He was striking out a lot of hitters in spring training. And they weren't always necessarily the, you know, the double-A replacements at the end of the game. But he he looked pretty good. Same thing with him as we saw with Ramos' recent injury. Never really got it going after coming back from the disabled list. And Leiter heads to the minor leagues. Now the Phillies are going to activate Zach Eflin to pitch the first game of this Dodgers series. He will take one of the roster spots uh, vacated by either Altair or Mark Leiter. And if you might remember that Mitch Walding had temporarily taken the starting pitcher's spot, so it looks like Mitch Walding is hanging out with the Phillies a little bit longer uh, for now. And even though the Phillies make a move, something could come up where where Walding loses his roster spot. Uh, Walding still doesn't have a hit yet in his uh, young Major League career, although he had struck out eight of his first nine plate appearances, and uh, he actually made some contact in this second game of the doubleheader, but he's yet to really get things going in the Major Leagues. The other roster spot is still kind of up for grabs. Uh, It could be that Yaxel Rios, who was the 26th man in the doubleheader, gets a uh, look. We'll see what happens here. Perhaps the Phillies are ready to, to bring Hector Neris back from AAA. A lot of that remains to be seen. The Phillies will make announcements before tomorrow's game, but we know for sure that Zach Gifflin will be activated to start game one. But the big story of the week is going to be the Machado discussions. And for a lot of Phillies fans, it's a disappointing week. You know, everybody loves to have the superstar. And a lot of people are saying, well, the Sixers missed out on LeBron. The the Sixers missed out on Leonard. This is just the latest in a number of failures. And this may not be such a failure when you consider the bigger picture and you consider the long term. And we now welcome to the podcast Pat Egan, producer on 97.5 The Fanatic, also a host on the station. And, Pat, you know, a lot of Phillies fans are upset about Manny Machado going to the Dodgers. What can you say that the sense from the fans has been like uh, while you've been operating that board this week?
1: Yeah, they've been um, they've been pretty mad about it. And I think the issue is um, kind of like LeBron James, we got our hopes up and Lucy pulled the football back again. Uh, I don't think fans would be too upset about it had reports not come out and said that, they were in on Machado heavily. They were the favorites for Machado for so long. You had an, um Clintox connection with them. Kind of all made sense. All the stars were aligning to get Machado, and then out of nowhere, the Dodgers come in. So fans are upset. Uh, it doesn't help that uh, some of our hosts in the station are throwing out the name Sixto Sanchez, uh, acting like, oh, just give him up, give him up. So um, the casual baseball fan just hears that. Here's the prospect's name. All right, yeah, just give him up. He doesn't matter. Um, so I think that's kind of enticing the fire a little bit, uh, for callers, but they're not overly happy because I think just in general, they wanted Machado who won it. Um, they thought they would get him easily because of the reports and then they didn't get him. So I think they're, they're, they're pretty upset.
0: Now, how about you? Would you have given Sixto Sanchez as part of a trade for Manny Machado?
1: God, no, no, there's no way. Um, anybody who says they'll give up Sixto is, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of of, and I said this uh, before the trade deadline when I was hosting you know if I offered you a car for thirty thousand dollars you're not going to give me 50 for it and that's basically the equivalent of giving Sixton Sanchez up you you're giving up your top prospect when no team was giving up their top prospect um, Yasnel Diaz was the Dodgers fourth prospect uh, the Yankees weren't giving up Justice Sheffield uh, their package a little bit of it came out today and it wasn't all that great the fact is just for rentals in general you're not going to give up a lot for him You know, barring the Cubs giving up Glyber Torres, which was a completely different situation. You're going against 100 years of never winning a World Series. So the pressure is on in that situation. But just in general, if you look down the list last year, I think the Dodgers gave up Willie Calhoun. That was the big piece in the the U Darvish trade. You just don't give up your top prospect for him. Um, I was cool with Adonis Medina, but you don't give up six, though.
0: Well, I think that pressure is on for the Dodgers, right? 30 years since the World Series champion. They're getting beaten Game 7 last year when they were literally just, what, an out away way from winning a couple times? Yeah. So now the drop-off from Manny Machado to the next guy available is pretty large. So if you're the Phillies now and you didn't get Machado, who might you be interested in now to try to serve as that uh, bat that, that the Phillies seem to need in their lineup? Who, who's out there?
1: Yeah, it's, it's tricky because the Machado thing, if you got Machado, you, you not only get him, and he probably solidifies you as a division favorite, but you get him and you're able to talk to him for two months and talk contract and sell him on the city and whatnot. Um, now that that's out of the way, there's nobody out there that, that definitely guarantees them the division, unfortunately. Um, Eduardo Escobar's out there. Um, he's been linked to him, and he's an impending free agent. He's a nice piece, but once again, he's not going to get you over the top. Um I don't know why they'd be interested in Mike Mustakis because Franco's playing pretty well. But once again, he's a guy not going to get you over the top. When Merrill a nice player, he's been linked to him. He's not going to get you over the top. There's really nobody out there who is going to guarantee you a division title right now. So um, they're going to make a move. uh, Unfortunately, it's not Machado. um, But I think it would be a lower-tier guy like um, Eduardo Escobar. And and that's not necessarily bad because in 2008 – Every fan wanted C.C. Sabathia. They didn't go out and get C.C. Sabathia. They got Joe Blaine. The fans were pissed off about it. And, you know, they ended up winning a World Series with Joe Blaine. So sometimes these minor moves that you make, um, and you don't make the big splashy move, they end up paying off for you. And hopefully that's the situation uh, this year.
0: Now, you mentioned the contract with Machado and the Dodgers essentially having two extra months to talk to him. But I, I'm looking at the Dodgers' payroll. You know, they've got big races coming for the likes of Kenley Jansen. Uh, even Rich Hill is due a raise. Um, you know, there's only a few free agents leaving the Dodgers. The Logan Forsythe's of the world. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of money for the Dodgers to sign Machado long term. What What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of money for it. There's also not really room for him either. I mean, uh, Seeger's coming back next year. He's obviously making shortstop. I, I'd find it hard pressed to believe that Machado would play third base since he's said repeatedly. Done. Third base, um, they don't have the money. They don't want to go over the luxury tax, and they basically said as much that, "Hey, this looks like it's going to be a rental." So, um, I, I think in, at the line, at the end of the day, the Phillies probably will end up getting Machado. That just makes too much sense um, in free agency. But to, to harken back to the NBA free agency, I'm sure a lot of Lakers fans thought they were getting Paul George, and just guaranteed because he wanted to go to LA, and he ends up re-signing with Oklahoma City, and no one really expected that. So. I'm um, not too uh, confident about the situation that they'll get Machado, but um, the Dodgers don't look like a team that's really interested in re signing him for that reason, and the Phillies have deep pockets, and the move just makes too much sense.
0: Now, the one thing that the Phillies have said in recent days is that they don't necessarily seem like they're going to be in on a starting pitcher. Now, Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez both, they've been really good at times, and there's also been times when they've not been good. Are you of the opinion that the Phillies do not need another starter?
1: Yeah, I don't think they, they need another starter. I'm I'm actually in the minority. I don't think that this team's ready to win yet, like ready to seriously. I, I know they're overachieving right now, sitting in first place, and I'm thrilled about it. But I look at this team more like 05, 06, and not so much 07, 08. Um, and I'm, I'm not really into going out and just giving up um, prospects for a starting pitcher because eventually you have so many you have so many young starting pitchers in your system that you're going to have to see what these guys have. And I'm actually happy that they didn't go out. And other than Jake Arrieta, like really address the starting rotation because a guy like Nick Pavetta had 27 starts last year. He got rocked. They were willing to give him another chance. And you know he's not doing too well today, but um, he's he's at least proven that he is a major league pitcher. Vince Velasquez, he, once I mean. This it's the same story every year with him, um, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but you hope one day you can figure it out and kinda of become like a Max Scherzer type and stop being a thrower and so much a pitcher. So, um but it's the long story to answer your question, I guess, would be uh no, I don't think they need a starting pitcher. Um I, I think you you wanna see what these what these young guys have first and, and help them um, grow along the way. And if they can't do it then you've got a guy like De Los Santos in Triple A who's already pitched this season who's more than willing to step in. So what
0: about a bullpen piece? Do you think the Phillies are in need of a bullpen piece? Because the bullpen's pitched pretty well this month of July. Now, uh, you know, they haven't gotten what they were paying for out of Tommy Hunter so far. But with Pat Neshek back, it seems like the bullpen is actually functioning like a major league bullpen.
1: Yeah, um, the bullpen surprised, surprised me for sure. Um, and thank God that Pat Neshek's back because I was for a while calling him uh Mike Adams 2.0 because it just seemed like that kind of contract where you're just going to forget about him. But he's he's come back. He's pitched well. Um, I, I I'm I'm cool with a bullpen piece. I don't want Zach Britton because Zach Britton is going to cost you way more than any other any other uh, relief pitcher on the market because of the pedigree he has and the closer title. And I'm I'm not into um, trading for a closer when I think you already have a closer. I think Dominguez is your closer now. Whether Gabe Kapler agrees with that or not seems like he's hesitant to, to name him the closer. Every Phillies fan knows that that guy is your future closer. So I don't want to overpay for Zach Britton, force him into the closing role, force Dominguez out of it. Um, and then you've got a situation kind of like Washington had when they traded for Capelbon and they had Thorne. So you're going to end up overpaying for, for, for Britton because of that pedigree. You're going to give up more prospects than, say, any other really relief pitcher. And in my opinion, you don't really even need him. Is he better than Dominguez? Maybe. Um, he is that lefty, but... Um, I just, I think it would be kind of uh, a lateral move for them to, to trade for a Britain, another smaller piece, another relief pitcher. And I don't really have any names for it, unfortunately, but um, I'd be cool with that. But you're right. I mean, the bullpen has pitched surprisingly well. Um, And the same thing with the starting pitchers, they've allowed these young guys like Dominguez, like Arano, um, to just kind of come in there and and kind of get, get their feet wet and see what they've got. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm cool with the bullpen piece, just not Zach Red.
0: And do you think that needs to be from the left side?
1: Yeah, um, I, I do. Uh, I think you can never give too many lefties in the bullpen. And it, it's, it's a situation where um, the, the, the lefties can be picked up, easy, uh, not easily, but we saw it like in, in 2008, right? They picked up Scott Ayer off the scrap heap, and he ended up pitching really, really well for him. So I I don't think it's a situation where um, a left-handed reliever is going to cost you a ton, albeit not named Zach Britton. Um, But you can never have too many guys you can throw from the left side. And because of that, if they do make a move, I would like it from the left side. But in all honesty, left, right, I'm I'm cool with either. I don't think they need to overhaul this bullpen, but I, I would like another veteran guy in there.
0: One more question for you about a possible trade deadline deal. Right field, the Phillies have not gotten the production they envisioned when they uh, envisioned splitting right field between Aaron Altair and Nick Williams. Do you think that, that the outfield at right field might be a place where they can get a bat?
1: Um, I hope so because it's a disaster, um, complete disaster. I mean, Aaron Altair is not even hitting his weight this season. He's been uh, just a, a big uh, disappointment, at least for me as a fan, uh, for sure. Um, Nick Williams looks like he can play a little bit, but they're hesitant to put him in there full-time, I think, because of Altair. It, it's a situation where I would like them to get a, a bat but not have a ton of team control. Um, not team control, uh, not have a ton of years connected to it because they have Adam Hazley coming up to the system. He was the former seventh overall pick from Virginia, um, and he just reached uh, Redding. So he's on his way, but when you look actually at Nick Williams' like full body of work, He looks like he can do the job, but for whatever reason, the the coaches are unwilling to put him in there full time. They just want to shoehorn this platoon situation. So um, if they went out and got a a bat to actually play right field, I I wouldn't be disappointed about it. um, But I would actually like to see them at least just give Nick Williams the job. I think he's earned it. I think he can do it. But if they want to go out there and get a veteran bat who is a known commodity, I'm not going to complain about that.
0: One last thing before you go. You made a very interesting announcement on Twitter and Facebook in the form of a video this week. Why don't you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, so um, my wife is uh, allegedly pregnant. Um, Hopefully we find out that it's mine. Um, But uh, we were kind of trying to think of an idea to to tell our friends and family and stuff. And uh, I always thought it was funny how... People announce trades usually in, in baseball. It's always player to be named later. And The Phillies are a big part of our family. Um, our cats named Cat Burl, Our dogs named Jay Roll. So um, we're we're pretty big Phillies fans. So idea of, of uh, all right, let's go down to CBP and let's film like a, a press conference, and we'll announce that we're trading for a player to be named later. So, in all honesty, when I emailed uh, John Brazier over at the Phillies, who uh, who's kind of their their communications guy. I really didn't expect him to be okay with it. Uh, but he's surprised to my surprise. He was, um, and he let us go down to the, to the ballpark. And, um, we were basically in and out in 10 minutes. We filmed a press conference where, you know, with the trade deadline approach and we made a move and, um, you can find it on YouTube. If you just type in like Philly's baby announcement, I'm sure there's not many of those. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it seems to go over pretty well. Everybody seemed to like it. Um, uh, I, I honestly thought more people have done similar things, but apparently not. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's it. So December, uh, little little baby, little uh, Jimmy Rollins-Egan will be here. Or, I was going to name him Manny Machado, but then they didn't get him. So Hey, you still uh, might have the
0: opportunity, right? They could sign him before December, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, they so. could.
1: They could. I'm, I'm throwing out names. Freddie Freddy, Galvis-Egan, Freddy, um, Aaron Altair-Egan for D one uh, Mike Schmidt, uh, Tom McCarthy-Egan. We're just throwing out names. We have time.
0: Well, congratulations to you and Shannon. And pat thank you so much for joining me this afternoon and make sure you follow pat on twitter at pat underscore egan and if you look on his, his twitter timeline you can see the 97.5 the fanatic even tweeted out that that pregnancy announcement video so thanks so much pat
1: thanks frank have a good one
0: you too coming up next we'll talk the dodgers series and in particular the return of one jay Sudley. And as this Dodgers series begins, we welcome to the podcast, Tim Kelly of Phillies Nation. What's up, Tim? I'm just chilling, Frank. Uh,
2: happy to be covering a playoff contending baseball team, even if it feels like some nights that they don't play like that.
0: Yeah, so certainly the, today they had their moments. That first game of the doubleheader did not look so great. Uh, but now the, the page is turning and they're, it, the... Last place, San Diego Padres head out of town, and the first place, Los Angeles Dodgers head in. Now, we thought in some ways this would just be the Chase Utley series, but now Manny Machado is wearing Dodgers blue. So, uh, what do you think that will be like for Phillies fans, and how do you think Machado is going to be received by Citizens Bank Park?
2: Yeah, I know he got booed in Milwaukee the thing about Milwaukee, though, is that was really their only chance to get them. So while while it was stupid for them to boo because he really didn't have much say over it, that was their one chance to get him. The Phillies have a chance to potentially sign Manny Machado still this offseason. I think fans are very aware of that. So I don't think he'll get the cheers that he maybe got the last time he was here when he was with Baltimore. I don't know how many we want Manny chance he'll get if he hits a home run in a game that... Uh, has playoff implications, but I certainly think he's not going to hear boos. He'll probably hear just some claps, nothing major one way or another.
0: Do you think the fans will still rally for Machado to come to Philly in a way that they were when he was an Oriole?
2: I think they'll rally in the offseason that way because Manny Machado is one of the best players in the league, and I think when you're on the cusp of having a chance to have someone like that play on your team, uh, you're certainly going to rally around it. I don't think that they're going to rally quite as much in the next week, but I also think uh, him coming back will be a reminder that, yeah, you know, you might think it sucks that he wasn't, that Matt Contak and the front office weren't able to put together a trade package to acquire him, but he could very well still be in play this summer or this uh, winter, and you're going to get a chance to watch him play again the next few days and realize how good of a player he is and how good of an offensive season he's having
0: and thanks to the trade the Phillies will not even have to give up a draft pick to sign Machado or any team that are, that signs Machado for that matter so so literally he would only cost the Phillies money and the Phillies have plenty of it now one thing that the Machado trade from the Dodge to the Dodgers could affect this particular week is how much Chase Utley plays now everybody's looking forward to Chase Utley coming to town now if Chase Utley ends up going to the um, goes to retire. This could be his last shot playing at Citizens Bank Park, uh, and you know he could make a playoff appearance. I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's projecting a little bit too much, but the, this seems like it's Chase Utley's swan song here at Citizens Bank Park. So, how much is he going to play this week? What do you think?
2: I think he has to start that Wednesday game, and it kind of stinks that's an afternoon game because I'm not sure how many people on Wednesday at 12.30 are going to be able to go to the game, but I think he'll be very well received there. The Machado thing no doubt uh, complicates things, so uh, we're going to have to see. He is seeing all right-handed pitchers, so that part works in his favor. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Dave Roberts navigates the whole thing because in theory you would think – there's lots of people that bought tickets just to see Chase Utley, so he has to at least pinch hit, you would think, in every game. But I'm not sure if he's going to—I I don't know how many games he's going to start. I'd like to think he starts two. I would think he has to start at least one. I'd be surprised if he starts three.
0: Well, what do you think, though, about the Dodgers not using him? I mean, if you're the Dodgers, you're, you're coming into a, the home of a first-place team. You want to put your best players on the field— and Chase Utley, at this point in his career, is a bench bat. Would they, would they start Utley just for sentimentality of Philadelphia fans, uh, be, when they're trying to win games?
2: He's started about once or twice a week going back the last few weeks, so I don't expect that to change. I think he'll start probably once in this series, and I think Dave Roberts is cognizant of the fact that Chase Utley's an icon. This is the final time barring a postseason run that he's going to be able to play. And if there was a postseason run, you know he wouldn't be starting at that uh, juncture. So I do think they're going to uh, humor him a little bit, have him start at least one of the games in the series. But you're right, they're not going to have him start all three games because the National League West is one of the better divisions of baseball and it's heavily contested at the top.
0: So Uddley may not play at all in some games. You know, I, Can you expect him to take out the lineup card at least? Do you think they'll give him that?
2: Yeah, I think they'll give him that. I, I would think Dave Roberts is going to make an effort to have him pinch hit in every game. Uh, but it depends how the game goes. It's a lot easier for him to do that if it's a blowout one way or another to get Uddley into the game as opposed to if it's a 1-1 game and you need someone to come and get a hit because this one game could decide if you are the Diamondbacks or the Rockies or whoever ends up winning the National League
0: West. All important points to, to consider. Now, when we look at Chase Utley, let's talk about the long term. Let's talk about Chase Utley at number 26. Now, the Phillies, to this point in their history, have had a policy where a player must be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame before they retire that player's number. Now they did break the rules a little bit for Richie Ashburn. They, they, they retired number one, saying, "Well, he'll probably be in the Hall of Fame." Uh, but Chase Utley, you might not have that same level of certainty with him going into the Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts on retiring number twenty-six?
2: I think that policy is kind of just a myth, though, because I was looking over this today. Mike Schmidt's numbers retired in nineteen ninety. Steve Carlton's numbers retired in nineteen eighty-nine. Robin Roberts' number was retired while his playing career was still going on. So it was retired after his Phillies career was going on, but he played three or four more seasons after the Phillies had retired his number. So I think this idea that the Phillies have always only retired the numbers of people in the Hall of Fame, it's just not really that true. Um, I I think that uh, Richie Ashburn belonged in the Hall of Fame, but you can't tell me that – if the Veterans Committee hadn't voted him in, that they were going to take his number and unretire it. And if you look by a lot of moderate standards with safer metrics today, if Kenny Lawson fell off the ballot in the first year, you could make a case that Richie Ashburn isn't a Hall of Famer. Now, I'd make a case that I think both of them should be a Hall of Famer, but I would also make the case then that I believe Chase Ellie should be a Hall of Famer. But the case to me that really makes more sense here is Jim Bunning, because... Deservedly so, Jim Bunning's a Hall of Famer, and even though he spent more of it, more years of his career in Detroit, I would argue that his absolute peak, his 1965 season, was with the Phillies. So I don't have an issue with his number 14 being retired or him being in the Hall of Fame as a member of the Phillies. But is anyone really going to sit here and argue that Jim Bunning was a greater Philly than Chase Utley? I, th- I just think that's silly. I think Chase Utley should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he will be but I don't think anyone should wear his number 26 because I think he's one of the six or seven best players to ever play in this organization.
0: Now, if you look at the Wall of Fame, for example, I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion that, that Utley will be there. Now, the Phillies recently changed their policy on the Wall of Fame, so do you think that that sets some prefer- precedent for retiring numbers?
2: I think Chase Utley's so popular that you wouldn't even have to really worry about precedent because I don't think that many people, even the people that think maybe he shouldn't be if he's not in the Hall of Fame, I don't think they're going to be up in arms because they know how dominant Utley was. And like I said, I think the precedent's kind of a myth because they didn't wait an entire year to retire Mike Schmidt's number. And obviously you know Mike Schmidt was going in the Hall of Fame, but he wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet. He wasn't. He was years away from being even eligible for the Hall of Fame. They let him in. They did the same thing with Steve Carlton. So, I think you retire the number. And I, I would make a similar case for Jimmy Rollins. I think I don't think Jimmy Rollins is a Hall of Famer. But I think Jimmy Rollins' career was so important to Philly's history that no one should ever wear the number 11 again. But I think. Uh, Chase Utley has the most dominant case of someone for me that, regardless of whether he makes the hall, doesn't make the hall of fame. I don't think anyone else should wear the number 26 again. And I think regardless, you're going to see those two numbers, probably number six, although eventually I think they'll have to reissue that, and number 35 that Cole Hamels wore. You're going to have to see those four numbers frozen for an extended period of time if they're not retired.
0: Well, Cole Hamels is actually, or the number 35 is actually in use right now. Uh, bullpen coach got right. Very right. interestingly, uh, I do know this from a source, but um, John Maley, uh, the Phillies' hitting coach, he has a, he actually has a really neat story about uh, wearing number 11, uh, which which is something he's done throughout his baseball career. And it stems from his father's military service and, and being in the Army's 11th Airborne Division. So he has a good reason to wear number 11. And I'm told that he actually asked to wear number 11, and the Phillies declined. So uh, you know they said, hey, we want to keep, keep number 11 at least out of circulation for now. So it looks like the Phillies are, at least for now, declining to issue number 26, declining to issue number 11, and declining to issue number 6. So do you think that that one must equal the other? So you mentioned Ryan Howard's number six might go back into circulation. uh, But what are the odds all three get retired?
2: I don't think they're particularly high that all three get retired. Look, Ryan Howard had a tremendous peak. He also had five objectively bad years because his health gave out and he wasn't a good player anymore. So I think there's a stat that age 32 on, Ryan Howard – had the the lowest war in MLB history, something like that. Um, and I'm not a Ryan Howard detractor. I'm pro-Ryan Howard, but it, it is what it is. Uh, Ryan Howard was not of the same magnitude and did not put together the same Phillies career that Chase Utley did, and he didn't put together the same career that Jimmy Rollins did. Now, if you want to argue at their exact peak that Ryan Howard was as important, you can make that case. I I'd Still, if I'm putting together a team, there's no question in my mind I'm taking peak Chase Utley over peak Ryan Howard. But Ryan Howard won an MVP, hit 58 home runs. He was a superstar at his peak. So it's not meant to dismiss Ryan Howard. I think the interesting case is what they're going to do with Roy Halladay because Roy Halladay doesn't get in the Hall of Fame if it isn't for his years in Philadelphia, although certainly he's a Blue Jay. But if his career ended after 2009, he needed a couple more years. He got another Cy Young, pitched a postseason no-hitter, pitched a perfect game. He was probably the best pitcher in the sport for those two years. He's, in the, he's going in the Hall of Fame. Do they retire that number? I would say no, but I know that's something that you had kind of pondered at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, so if Halliday makes the Hall of Fame, it seems like with the precedent from Jim Bunning uh, that, that that could be good enough to retire Halliday's number 34. Now, if you look at other organizations, let's take a look at the New York Yankees, for example. Some of the retired numbers they have include Bernie Williams, Ron Goodry, Reggie Jackson, although he wasn't uh, a Yankee that long in his career. So uh, you talk about Ryan Howard's productive years versus Reggie Jackson's productive Yankee years. Uh, and, and, and Jorge Posada, their catcher. Uh, that standard for the Yankees is, would be considerably lower. And, and if, if you kind of go by those standards, who makes it from the Phillies?
2: Yeah, I guess if you go by those standards, you would have Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, and Jimmy Rollins probably retired. I wouldn't go by those standards. I certainly wouldn't go by those standards if I was the New York Yankee and had that type of illustrious history. But, I mean, Jorge Posada won five championships there, so how, how angry are you really going to get about it? Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's not meant to diss Ryan Howard. I think Cole Hamels would be in this discussion if he had played his entire career with the Phillies. The fact is the Phillies um, – Needed to rebuild at the back half of his peak, so they traded him elsewhere. That's that he got to contend for a couple more years, but it may have cost him a chance to really be in this discussion. I think Chase Sutley and Jimmy Rollins to me ones that um, I just can't picture someone else wearing number twenty six or number eleven again. And I think both of them, Ch- Jimmy Rollins is all time hits leader, won an MVP, um, and then Chase Utley is Chase Sutley, he. Uh, was an incredible fielder, and I don't know how that's gotten lost in history. His offensive repertoire speaks for himself. Uh, he didn't have a hundred game. He didn't play more than a hundred games in a season until 2005, but Fangraphs said he was the 18th most valuable offensive player between 2000 and 2009. Some of the names he's above are incredible. Manny Ramirez, the aforementioned Jorge Posada, Adrian Beltre, Miguel Tejada, Jeff Kent, Jim Tomey, Jason Giambi, and Jimmy Ron. So Chase Utley was otherworldly good at his peak, and I think it should get him in, in the Hall of Fame. I think his war, his jaws, um, and a lot of his other numbers, his counting numbers aren't going to be there, but I think he was dominant enough at his peak that it should get him into the Hall of Fame, and then maybe we don't have to have this debate. The problem is Utley's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what. So there's going to be a lot of years, probably at least a decade in between now, and when Outley has a serious chance to be elected to the Hall of Fame, because it'll take a few years for him to kind of become the sabermetric-backed uh, case, when that happens, maybe he's in the Hall, or maybe then the numbers retire, but I think between now and then there's going to be a lot of debate about what to do with that. I would imagine it stays frozen at the very least.
0: Quick trivia before we go. So Chase Utley wore number 26 his entire career, and not counting number 42, which all the players wore to honor Jackie Robinson. What jersey numbers did Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins also wear in the major leagues?
2: Ryan Howard wore number 12 when he came up, and then Jimmy Rollins wore number 6 for a year after Doug Glanville left. But uh, it wasn't a very good year, so Jimmy Rollins did not stick with number
0: 6. Well Doug Glanville came back, but Jimmy Rollins yeah, had one more one that more too. number Jimmy Rollins wore in the major league. Do you know what that is?
2: Oh, uh, is it in the It's in the thirties?
0: Number twenty nine when 29, he first okay. well, when he made Ohio, his major league debut, he's wearing number twenty nine. It's I amazing a I'm player can of, wear that many jersey numbers and be that famous.
2: I think I was thinking of Pat Burrell wearing number thirty three, which is always a weird picture too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had an AOL screen name Pat the Bat 33 way back in the day. So, and then then, then of course that went out the window right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, m- more Phillies jersey number trivia next week, <laughs> but uh but but certainly Phillies fans are very excited about this week and they'll see number 26 on the opposition this week and perhaps never see 26 in Phillies red pinstripes ever again. We shall see. Tim, thanks for joining us. have a good one you too and that'll do it for this Phillies Nation episode 47 many thanks to Pat Egan of 97.5 The Fanatic and Tim Kelly enjoy the Dodgers series enjoy the return of Chase Utley hopefully he does make a couple appearances and you get to say farewell to the Silver Fox have a good one everybody